In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time a prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In these days of Christmas, in our prayer, we keep returning to the same scene. And it's such a human scene, such a normal scene. A mother clothing her child, laying her child down to sleep. And it's a scene that repeated itself. It didn't just happen on Christmas night, Christmas day. It happened for as long as our Lord remained an infant, totally in need of his mother's care. And it's a scene that was accompanied by many other actions that aren't mentioned in the gospel but that we can imagine in our prayer that must have happened that Our Lady nursed our Lord, Our Lady rocked our Lord in her arms, Our Lady changed his clothes, Our Lady hummed to him and sang to him as she held him. And while she was doing this, she must have been struck so many times of the mystery of who she was holding, the mystery of the Incarnation. That her child, while being very much human and very much just a little boy, a little infant boy, was also God. That when she wrapped her son in swaddling clothes and when she laid her son down in the manger and when she nursed her son and sang to her son, She was wrapping God in swaddling clothes and laying God down in the manger and singing to God in her very arms. What a surprising thing. What an amazing tenderness of God to become so small for us, to love us and so that it will be so much easier for us to love Him. And in her reflections on this, as she was holding our Lord Jesus Christ, Our Lady must have been struck by just how unpredictable the whole thing was. There are times in life where we might look back and think about our situation or some past situation, and we might think, I never would have thought that I would have done that, or I never could have predicted that that could have happened to me. Never in a million years, we say, right? Never in a million years would I have thought that I would be here or there or done this or that or gone through this or that experience. And that line of thought applies so well to Our Lady. How could she have ever thought that she would hold God in her arms as her child? How could she have ever thought that she would feed God, rock God to sleep and sing songs to God in her very arms?
in the pagan world and also in a certain sense in the Old Testament to get just a glimpse of God in his person was difficult. It was hard. Pagans had to be philosophers or great mystics and work for years speculating about the causes of the universe, get some intellectual glimpse of the first cause of God. The pagans and also also the Jews, very few of them had any sort of breakthrough to God's transcendence. They had to be great ascetics, right? They would go out in the desert and fast for 40 days and climb mountains, looking for God, looking for the presence of God. And even in the Old Testament where God intervenes in history in miraculous ways, wonderful ways, so few had a direct contact with God. Elijah, Moses, David, very few had a very direct and personal relationship with God. And yet here was this girl, this virgin, holding God, the fruit of her womb, loving God as any mother loves her child. And Lord, by extension, we are called to do the same thing in our prayer, in a way the child Jesus, the infant Jesus, is your child, is my child. And in our prayer, we can take the place of Mary and rock our Lord and change our Lord and lay our Lord down to sleep and perhaps even sing him songs. St. Josemaria, who was a great proponent of this kind of meditation, to put ourselves in the scenes personally, to deal with our Lord there, using our heart and our imagination, invites us to do this with our Lord. Make your way to Bethlehem. Go up to the child. Take him in your arms and dance. Say warm and tender things to him. Press him close to your heart. I am not talking childish nonsense. I am speaking of love. And love is shown with deeds. In the intimacy of your soul, you can indeed hug him tight. Love is shown with deeds. In the intimacy of your soul, in the intimacy of our prayer, we can indeed hug him tight. And by a huge favor, a huge grace of God, this is not something just imaginary. This is not something we just cook up in order to love God a little more, in order to relate to our Lord a little more. This idea that, in a way, he's our child too. Jesus himself says it. Jesus himself calls us, his disciples who do his will, his mother. He replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So assuming, Lord, that we're doing your will and your will is charity, we always have to look at that. If there's a lack of charity in my life, if there's some indifference to someone I should love, if there's some forgiveness that still needs to be proffered, at least in my heart and in my prayer, if it's impractical to do it directly to the person, 
if there's any willful lack of charity in my life, well then the channels between me and God will be blocked. Right? Lack of charity blocks God in my life because that's his will for us. This is my commandment that you love one another. And so, Lord, as we try to love you more directly in our prayer, help me to see, do I need to forgive someone? Do I need to be more committed to service? Do I need to break out of some selfish habit or selfish way of thinking? Because if we do, then we can say in a spiritual sense, but in a real sense, that we too are his mother. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And so we too, like Our Lady, in our prayer, and when we receive him in the Eucharist, and when we see him in others, can care for him, can nourish him, can say tender things to him, can rock him in our arms, and lay him down in the manger. Lord, thank you for this lesson of your humility, this great lesson of the laying down of God. In order to love us and to reveal to us what God is, Deus Caritas Es, God is love. In order to love us and let himself be approachable, let himself be loved by us, what does our Lord do? He humbles himself. Or he lays himself down. He doesn't lord over us his omnipotence, his omniscience, that he can do everything, that he knows everything that he's radically transcendent and infinite compared to this finite creation of his. No, in order to show us what he's like on the inside, that God is love, he's humble, he lowers himself. He lays himself down in the manger. He lets himself lay in Our Lady's arms. He lays silently in the tabernacle. He lays silently in the pages of the gospel till we pick it up and read it. He lay silently hidden in the people in my life. So Lord, as I look and I say, well, maybe I can grow in charity here or there. Maybe that's what's keeping me back from a more vibrant Christian life, a deeper prayer life. I can ask myself, Lord, where do I need to lay down my pride? Where do I need to lay down my self-centeredness? Where do I insist to roughly on my own plans, on my own opinions, on my own ways? Where am I judging people critically or harshly who I just happen to disagree with or I think are mistaken? Lord, you are God, almighty, transcendent, and you lay down your power to lay down in the manger. And you tell me to love others as you have loved me. So Lord, help me to lay down my pride, to overcome any obstacle of pride that's keeping me from loving you and loving others in the way that you that you want. And that motherly love of Our Lady, perhaps she also thought that it was so moving and so striking to be able to love God back in the way that he always loved her. That natural love that a woman has for her child comes from God, as all good things come from God. All the beauty in the world that we see, all the things we find interesting or fulfilling, all the great accomplishments of culture, of learning, sports, it all comes from God. It's all a reflection of God's goodness. And especially charity, especially love. 
that love that we see that a mother has for her newborn is a fraction, is a glimpse of the way that God loves us. And so when Our Lady took care of of Jesus, when she fed him, when she clothed him, when she rocked him while he was crying to settle him down, maybe she thought, well, God is letting me love him back in the way that he has always loved me. The Old Testament has these images precisely in which God's love for us is depicted as motherly. God is Father, of course. That's the revelation of the person of God. The first person of the Blessed Trinity is Father. But God has a mother's heart. He has to, right? Otherwise, where would mother's hearts come from? They have to come from God. There has to be a reflection of God's care for us, of his concern for us, of his nurturing us. This is from the prophet Isaiah. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. Our Lady knew these texts, and as she held God in her arms, who was her son, perhaps she realized God has given me a chance to love him as he has always loved me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Again, from the prophet Isaiah, another image is showing us that God's love is maternal. And we as spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers having a share in some sort of maternity over Jesus, as he puts it, he who does the will of my father is mother, brother and sister, is mother. We too, Lord, have been given this incredible opportunity to love you back in the way that you've always loved us, taking care of you in our churches, taking care of you in our prayer life, taking care of you in others. Lord, give me faith. Help me to see you in the child. Help me to see you in the people in my life. Help me to see you in the Blessed Sacrament in the Church. St. John Chrysostom, a great doctor of the Church, father of the Church, writes this about Christmas. What shall I say to you? What shall I tell you? I behold a mother who is brought forth. I see a child come to this light by birth. The manner of his conception I cannot comprehend. What shall I say? And how shall I describe this birth to you? For this wonder fills me with astonishment. The Ancient of Days has become an infant. Jesus, in your divinity, you are eternal. But in your humanity, in these days of Christmas, you're just a few days old. The Ancient of Days has become an infant as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God has no beginning. God has always existed into an infinite past eternity, as we conceive of it. The Ancient of Days has become an infant. And now he's two days old, and later he'll be two weeks old, and then he'll be a year old, just like all of us. 
his days counted by the seasons and by the days, by the motion of the sun and the earth. Sometimes it's funny, you see a, a mother with a young child and you ask, well, how old is your, how old's the baby? How old is your child? And she'll say something like, oh, uh, 37 months. I'm like, 37 months? What is this, some sort of math problem? What do you, what is that, two years? <laughs> and they're so interested and, and uh, exact, right, about just how old the child is. And so they don't say two years. They say, oh, 26 months. Our Lord also, his life could be measured. When our Lord was born, just like us, he weighed a certain amount. Who knows what it was? Six pounds, eight ounces. And he was of a certain length. 14 inches. I don't know how much babies measure in terms of their quote-unquote height. But our Lord had dimensions, just like all of us. His body was measured and contained in space, and his days were numbered, just like ours are. And he's God. He who sits upon the sublime and heavenly throne now lies in a manger, and he who cannot be touched, who is simple, without complexity, and incorporeal, now lies subject to the hands of men. He who has broken the bonds of sinners is now bound by an infant's bands. But he has decreed that ignominy shall become honor, infamy be clothed with glory, and total humiliation the measure of his goodness. Ignominy should become honor, infamy be clothed with glory, total humiliation the measure of his goodness. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you lay down, you lay down in your mother's arms, you lay down in the manger, you lay down later to be nailed to the cross, you are laid down in the tomb. You lay down in humility so that I can be lifted up. For this he assumed my body, Chrysostom continues. For this he assumed my body that I may become capable of his word, taking my flesh. He gives me his spirit. And so he bestowing and I receiving He prepares me for the treasure of life. He takes my flesh to sanctify me. He gives me his spirit that he may save me. This is the holy exchange that the church sings of and prays with and prays about in her liturgy. The Sacrosanctum Commercium, the holy exchange that our Lord takes on our human nature, takes on our human existence, our human experience in order to give us his divine life, in order to give us his spirit, he takes on our flesh. Trading, exchanging, human nature, human life, for divine life. He takes my flesh to sanctify me, he gives me his spirit, that he may save me. Christmas is a wonderful time to think about conversion, a new start. Our Lord is the Lord of second chances. And Christmas, he comes to us, and gives all of humanity and each one of us a second chance. And if you've been alive long enough, maybe it's a, a hundred and second chance. Whatever it is, our Lord loves to give us second chances. He's here to forgive us. And we might all have regrets in life and regrets that are a little bit ongoing right now. Things we've done in the past that we've never really said we're sorry for. Situations that 
we could have lived through better, perhaps for years, you know, not facing something or dealing with something in the right way. We all have regrets. And perhaps right now there's something that I need to change my attitude about or I need to trust God in more. And Christmas is a time to do that, right? to let him refresh us, to let him save us once again. And it's so easy to do at Christmas because we see Jesus in the manger. We see Jesus in Our Lady's arms. And he's so innocent and therefore so trustworthy. He's the word without words. And yet he still speaks. He's the word who's silent in the child. And yet that silence still speaks. And what does it tell us? It says, you can trust me. I mean you no harm. I want your good. You can start over. Leave your regrets in the past and walk a new life. And what does that new life look like? Well, it's always going to be a little bit more trust in God or a lot more trust in God. A little bit more love and understanding for others. A little bit more love for God and love for others. We know that God wants that for us, always. I remember growing up, I used to play video games with my brothers when we were teenagers. And one of the things my brothers um, never liked about me, I think I've been trying to work on it, but I'm not sure how much progress I've made. But I used to be a terrible sore loser, very competitive. And so we play these video games, these sports games especially, And I remember that if I saw that I was losing and things weren't going to turn out well in the game, many times I would just impulsively reach and hit the reset button on on the console to end the game and start a new one, hit the reset button. And this, of course, would drive my brothers absolutely insane. It's one of the things they, we're getting better at it, but they still bring up every once in a while how much of a sore loser I was um, back then. But this is something that that God doesn't get upset when we do. We see something going wrong or something's not going the right direction or we make some mistake. He wants us to hit the reset button. He wants us to start over. He's the God of mercy. He's the God of second chances. He wants us to say, that's it. Okay, I cut my losses and we start over. Lord, help me to start over again with you this Christmas. What regret do I need to let go of? What thing do I need to change to live a little bit more trust in you and a little bit more love for you and for others? Where's the conversion, Lord, that you're asking of me in this Christmas time? Where, Lord, are you asking me to hit reset and to begin again? Mary holds God in her arms and that God is very much her son the mother of God, the mother and the wife in that holy family. What a mystery of love. What a mystery of love. A virgin, human mother, and a divine human son. What humility on the part of God to become a baby. He could have showed up fully formed. He didn't have to be carried in Our Lady's womb. He didn't have to be an infant, but he does. When he becomes one of us, he doesn't skip any steps. He becomes a baby. And we all love babies, I think, most of us, you know, in one way or another. Babies are adorable. Babies are cute. 
This baby, the Christ child, is literally adorable. Most of them are just figuratively adorable. We can actually kneel down and worship God and the Christ child. We shouldn't kneel down and worship kids that we call adorable. We all love babies, but would we want to be one? Having the most fully formed awareness and the most power ever that could ever be had, right? To be God, to know everything and to be able to do anything, to create anything that's possible to create, right? To be God or to be as we are now, would we ever choose to become an infant? I love babies, but I don't want to be one, right? Drooling all over yourself and getting hungry, not being able to do anything about it and crying and getting cold and being totally dependent on on the care of another being. Totally dependent. To- no control over any bodily function or your limbs, right? You see these babies, their heads just roll around and they can't focus their eyes. Their eyes are always rolling around. And hey, it, We love babies. We have to. Otherwise, we wouldn't take care of them. But... Um, but who wants to be a baby? Well, God does. Right? This is the extent of his love for us, the extent of his desire to be loved by us. He becomes something humanly so lovable, humanly so adorable, humanly something that calls forth our noble instincts of protection and of nurturing and of education and of responsibility. How much God wants us to love him. He becomes something that needs to be loved, that needs to be cared for. So in these Christmas days, we go once again, as we have every day, all the time, to Our Lady, Our Mother. And we tell her, thank you. Thank you, Mary, for making this all possible. Thank you for making this happen. Sometimes in award ceremonies, right, some celebrity or some athlete will get up and receive that award and then And they've got to give that acceptance speech after receiving the award. And they stand at the podium and they look out and they say, well, I need to thank the person who made this all happen. And they thank, I don't know, their agent or their spouse or one of their parents or whoever. And sometimes there's a long list of people they they thank. But sometimes they use that phrase, right? I need to thank the person who made this all possible, who made this all happen. And if our Lord were receiving an award for, I don't know, baby of the year or incarnate God of all time, well, Jesus would get up there and he would say, I need to thank the woman who made this all happen, who made it all possible. And he would thank his mother because without her fiat, we wouldn't have Jesus Christ, the man God, the word made flesh, God incarnate. And so we too, we turn to Our Lady and we thank her. Thank you, Mary, our mother, for becoming the mother of God. Thank you for bringing God into the world in this way so that we too, in our turn, can be his mother in our prayer, in our charity towards others, in our faith, in our doing God's will, having that conversion that he wants us to have. He who does the will of God is mother and brother and sister. 
Thank you, Mary, our mother and gods. Pray for us this Christmas. Help us to truly go deeper in our prayer and help us to make that conversion, that reset that God wants us to make. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.